Welcome to the Get Emergent Podcast. Our podcasts are focused on individual, team, and organizational development. We focus on leadership topics and provide concepts, ideas, and pragmatic tips and practices for all leaders. I'm Bill Berthel. And I'm Ralph Simone. And today we're going to talk about the business we're in, which is the people development business. And Bill, we work with a lot of leaders who don't reach their full potential in organizations. And I'd like to explore why that is. So first, I want to say that's not a reflection on our effectiveness as a business. Oh, no, no. Actually, we only work with a few leaders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good, good call. Good catch. No, but it's because as human beings, we're motivated basically in two directions. This is the work of B.F. Skinner, kind of thought of as a great grandfather of motivational psychology. And you know, he suggested that we're either attracted, moving towards something, or we're avoiding moving away from something. And, you know, the primary reason that leaders become either ineffective in their role or don't reach their potential is because they control, protect, or comply too much in their leadership. They rely on these what's called reactive tendencies that are rooted in fear and concern. Hmm. I, I want to defend my opening line, by the way. If we <laughs> if we think of what Kierkegaard said, that we are always in the process of becoming. Absolutely. I think that none of us actually ever realize our full potential. But Bill, of those three things you said, why, in addition to fear, I mean, why do people control, protect, and comply? You know, well, there's a lot of good reasons, right? So it's not to criminalize these behaviors because they okay. can be effective and they are at times needed. However, what we know about these fear-based behaviors is that the energetic cost has a lower return on investment Mm. than being more creative in our leadership. And Mm. by creative, what I mean is that we are focusing on moving towards relating and achieving more effectively in our work, in our organizations. So I'm wondering, you just triggered something for me. So protect. I remember hearing this a long time ago that the 10 biggest fears Mm -hmm. in number one is fear of public speaking. Yes. Number four is dying. That's right. That's right. So people would rather die than get up in front of a group and speak. And so would that be an example of protecting? You know, what, what, what it is. Yeah. The protect, the, the protection mechanism there in the context of what we're talking about today It's about protecting one's identity. It's about protecting the sense of who self is. And we do that in different ways. We might distance ourselves. It might be arrogance. But your example of the fear of public speaking being greater than death is, as far as we know, you know, once we die, there's no more finding out who I really am. So I'm safer there than as I speak and you disagree with me. Well, that's a vulnerable space to be in. So it doesn't necessarily mean that at some subconscious level, I was embarrassed sometime publicly, but it could mean that. It could mean that, but most okay. generally in the context of protection, it's about not being vulnerable enough to, so we're protecting our identity. It doesn't seem like it would be much fun to work in an organization that had a lot of compliance, a lot of protection, and a lot of control. Uh, I mean, if I think about engagement, that's certainly not an environment that I would thrive in. 
So I would agree. And of course, every organization and every relationship needs some level of these from a healthy boundary and a safety perspective. But the point here is that leaders that don't reach their potential or are ineffective in their roles are relying too heavily on these three areas of protecting, complying, and controlling. What would be an example of what organizations overdo in this area of control, for example? So control is really around controlling the processes or the work itself, the topics, the things that are being done. So it might be about not giving enough autonomy where appropriate. Now, of course, we need standard operating procedures and we need to be able to have processes that we can follow to get consistency. That's not what I'm arguing against for a moment. However, we might be controlling people too much and not providing some autonomy for their creative contributions to come forward. We might be controlling processes far too much to allow growth and development to happen, true innovation Mm. to surface. Mm. Mm. And so it's that type of controlling. I've actually seen in some organizations that are fairly creative and fairly innovative on their design of product, not so creative and innovative in all their support services. Like mm. support is seems to be more governed by not what's possible, but what we need to do to comply and control and protect. And it almost feels like it's incongruent with what the overall organization is intending to achieve. So I think in that incongruency, many people can get confused or have a sense of feeling that either the leader or leadership isn't being authentic or having integrity. Mm. Could that be an accurate interpretation? Yeah, I think sometimes it is. I, I, I like to believe that very few, if any, leaders are doing this intentionally or purposely. It's really what we've come to know as kind of safe ways of operating. And I'll go back to what I said earlier, even in these safe ways of operating, we can be effective. We can get Mm. things done. We can really be very successful in many measurements. However, the energetic cost is going to be really high. So it sounds like we want leaders to become more aware of how their behaviors are perhaps unresourcefully influenced by too much compliance, too much protection, and too much control. Yeah, that's really it. An awareness of where are these, again, reactive tendencies. They're more immediate. They may feel more natural or first for us. Where are they showing up? What might I be afraid of that I'm protecting, controlling, or applying for? Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about, I have had 360s done that look at these areas and one of my lower scores, right? So it's not it's not something that will help me step further into my potential is protecting or being distant. Mm. And I was reflecting on this and I think it was uh, influenced by my early days in corporate procurement. Mm. You kept your cards close to your vest. You didn't want to share too much information sure. because right. that might make you vulnerable. That might actually result in a bad deal for the company. So I think really looking deeply at what beliefs or thoughts are driving that behavior would be critical not to get stuck in too much of these areas, which could be energetically draining. 
I think that's beautiful. You know, we, we haven't really talked about complying yet, but like you, I've taken similar 360s and my low scores or my areas for better awareness is usually around complying. And in this context, complying is about protecting the relationship. Hmm. It's about complying. It's perhaps acquiescing or not being fully authentic out of fear of harming the relationship. Uh, so it's not following the culture of the company necessarily. It's beyond that. It's holding back beyond kind of the norms and behaviors of the culture. Holding back is perfect, Ralph. It is a holding back. It's an avoidance of being fully authentic or fully one's self out of fear of harming the relationship, not out of fear of being seen as self, but thinking that I won't necessarily be agreed with, accepted, embraced, or understood. And so the protection mechanism is protecting the relationship so it can stay intact. Now, a little bit of go along to get along type thing? Very, or? more than a little, I think. I think, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. And, you know, so, and when I look at that, you know, I middle child, you know, I've got a little bit of that going on for me where I was always trying to make siblings feel safe and secure. And so there maybe wasn't as much room for me to operate, to be authentic. So this can come from our formative years. It can come from some of the roots or the root causes of our tendency to control, protect, or comply. It can come from very early childhood development. It can also come, you know, context matters here. Uh, you know, when you're playing poker, you don't show all your cards. You should protect, right? Okay. But however, when you're negotiating, what if we did really come to a place where we were talking about uh, everyone's interests and needs instead of positioning too much? Got it. Bill, I've seen a lot of pretty successful, at least by traditional terms, corporate leaders and executives that control. Absolutely. They're driven. You know, they're smart. Absolutely. Uh, um, they're perfectionists. They expect high performance. You might say type A personalities. But it's interesting. So the control, there are people who seem to be reluctant to let go. Absolutely. They seem to be people who are reluctant to get out of the way and allow other people to learn, grow, and develop. And so is that the energetic cost that you were referring to earlier? I think that's the immediate energetic cost. And there are later energetic costs as well. If we track those organizations, they typically have more difficulty in their succession plans when those leaders are ready to either, whether it's retirement or leaving for a promotion internally or externally yeah. in the organization, they may not be filling the pipeline as well. There's a cost there to the organization. Folks tend to leave those types of leaders. There's a turnover or churn cost mm. that exists in that space as well. And that can be true for any of the three areas we're talking right. about, but controlling does tend to come to mind. And I, I laugh because I think these are the people that may not find delegation as easy as others. And I'm always amazed, you know, when people say, well, nobody can do it as well as I can. I said, well, maybe not right away. That's right. That's if right. you've been doing something for a long time and you're reasonably good at it, you know, the first time you hand it off. But I think we have to think bigger and we have to think broadly about scaling and really developing more production capability in the organization, which requires us to be less fearful, less fearful. It requires us to be less fearful and there's two directions to move at the same time. These two directions are equally important. 
leaders that are reaching their full potential and that are scaling their leadership in their organizations are both excellent relators and achievers. Mm. They're getting stuff done through teams, collaboration. They have intelligence in the systems around them. And their emotional social intelligences in relating are excellent. And so these two directions of relating and achieving are the antidote to those fears. So we're transcending binary or either or thinking as we move up and mitigate these fears and actually maximize an organization's potential. It is. It's a bit of a dilemma. It's not just about getting stuff done and it's not just about relating. It's a both and there. Mm. I like to think of it as a creative tension. So it's got me thinking of just really asking leaders to spend some reflective and contemplative time around what are you afraid of? Yes. And how is that holding you, your team, and your organization back? And you can listen to a new podcast two times a month here at Get Emergent, where we will bring you contemporary leadership topics and ideas balanced with best practices you can apply in your leadership. Oh,